I want to start with um, the UFC actually today because um, there was actually a big fight this past weekend with Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns for the welterweight uh, title championship belt. And um, yeah, these were two like basically former training partners. And um, Usman won, has won 17 straight in mixed martial arts. He's at 13 and 0 in the UFC. Uh, it was, I mean, probably one of the more powerful jabs I think I've ever seen watching UFC. I mean, he knocked down Gilbert Burns with a jab and then they just started wailing on him with punches there early in the third round of this fight. Um, and yeah, I mean, Usman is, I don't think he, maybe because he's not an American fighter, he's Nigerian. Maybe he's not getting the res- respect he deserves in the sport, but I, I'm pretty sure people are starting to, uh, catch on especially after his win against burns there um there was a uh, issue or I mean, I, I, kind of a controversy i guess um in regarding the ufc and then stuff surrounding that of so um the first thing that happened was um gina uh, carano i believe her last name is she was uh is known for playing Cara Dune in the Mandalorian uh, series there on Disney Plus, and um, she, uh, yeah, she she basically on a on a social media post compared to um, compared politics in today's society with uh, Jews and the Holocaust, and I, I believe she was talking about Republicans. Um, in that comparison and uh there was an issue that came up with um ariel hawani there and he how we basically um decided to kind of call her out on it and uh and and say like that that comparison should have been shouldn't have been made it's not even close to uh (laughs) to um that situation um and uh, Dana White, the the UFC president, there um, reporters asked him about uh, Hawani's uh, uh, comments and response to, um, uh, I guess, uh, Carano's actions. And he said uh, to to leave her alone. Pretty much, we all make mistakes, and um, basically called Hawani. Yeah, he called Ariel Hawani a douche, and um, yeah, because he made it all about him. So. Uh, and and uh, another uh, another development with this is that uh, there was a reporter who had reached out to ESPN because UFC and ESPN have a have a large uh, TV streaming package, um, and ESPN declined the comment. And in a way, that's um, that's kind of being complicit with uh, what Dana White said. If you're not willing to go out and comment because you are thinking about the almighty powerful dollar instead of actual um um, morals here but um so let me take this from a a a serious perspective here if i were to like see this post and and apparently carano has at least in in the recent um time here she has uh posted some I believe anti-mask, anti-vaccine kind of ide- ideology um, stuff, and um, just some other things that are um, walking a, on, a, on, a, on a on a fine line there. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean, basically, um, I would say that uh, 
obviously this shouldn't have happened. This probably shouldn't have been posted. Um, I think uh, even Hawani said that he, um, you know, hopes uh, uh, Carano can learn from this, that she doesn't get um, completely shunned out of um, anything and, and uh, I guess basically gets canceled. Um, but, and uh, yeah, and basically to um, hope that she like when, when it's um uh, when she's allowed to do so because of COVID and travel restrictions, but actually, go and visit Auschwitz, get an idea um, of what actually happened there and, and basically put yourself in a place where uh, millions of people died and suffered because that, I mean, people have done that before. Um, people who have had maybe some anti-Semitic comments or just um, maybe not as severe comments as that, but um, just to go there and, and get that different viewpoint and and better understanding um and uh i guess from if you take it from more of a a joking side i mean it's not i I, if you were supposed to land yeah some type of funny joke i mean it's it's a pretty shitty joke in my opinion um i think anything right now in america cannot even come close to comparing um to what happened in the Holocaust, what is it, 80 years ago now? Um, so, I, yeah, I, I basically what I want to say is Ariel Hawani is not a douche. Um, <laughs> to, to, I mean, that's the best way I could kind of say it. Um, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it, him being um, Jewish himself and, um, and obviously I think the MMA community wanted a – response from him because and meanwhile here uh carano was a mixed martial artist back between 2006 and 2009 she was actually known as the face of women's mixed martial arts um she didn't take that title uh but i mean a, a decent amount of people were calling her that um i think she had like a seven and one record um during her uh fighting career there but um but yeah i, I just uh i think um, Hawani did a good job um, explaining it in his, I think it's a nine minute clip on his Instagram, just kind of going through everything very well said. Um, and yeah, I just support Eric Hawani and what he did. I don't like what Dana White said. Um, obviously, I don't like the comparison that Carano uh, made on her social media. And, um, and yeah, I, I also like the uh, amount of ESPN personalities that stood um, behind Hawani and in everything that had happened this weekend. Daytona 500 was yesterday, and this was an extended day in tonight kind of race here because of a big weather delay. But before that, there was a big crash that happened that involved 16 cars this was at around lap 15 of the race here and um and yeah it just knocked out um some pretty good um drivers that were kind of in contention here um three of them that i was kind of favoring in the race i, I like newman as a 
as a dark Ryan Newman as a dark horse there in the number six car. Um, he went out. Um, I was thinking Ryan Blaney could have a decent shot. He went out in the crash. I kind of like Truex as one of the middle of the road guys who could possibly be in contention there. So yeah, so three of my five um, kind of drivers that I liked went out early. Um, and then yeah, so that happened to where it was going to be a red, red flag regardless because they had to clean up the track because um, so many cars went to the dirt and then, yeah, there's <laughs> mud, grass, dirt everywhere um, to where the accident happened. And um, so, so yeah, so that happened. And then there was the weather delay for five hours, I think. It was, it was, it was ridiculous um, to where they resumed finally at nine o'clock. And um, it was just kind of funny to see some of the cars that tried to make it back out onto the track, including Tyler Reddick in the number eight car, who um, the front of the car was so, so no hood. It was, you had the front of the bumper was on a little bit of the side paneling above the front left tire. And that was really about it. You had the front right tire just completely open. Um, and he was able to run. I think he might have finished like with all the repairs that they had to do, probably 20, 25 laps behind, but still finished the race and still got a couple points to the standings there, which is kind of remarkable. Um, even during the the rain delay, you had some drivers actually go to um, some drive through fast food restaurants outside of the uh, outside of the venue there um because they they had a feeling that it was going to be a long uh long delay there so that was a kind of a funny moment there as well um when we actually got back into the racing there danny hamlin who has won um who won the daytona 500 back in 2019 2020 um and uh, he was looking to do for the he was looking to go for the three peat uh, won the first two stages of the of the of the race there um and then you had about yeah at a at a half a lap to go into the race um there was a big crash and what happens if they get past the halfway point on on the final lap that's when you can call the race if a crash happens to um take place and a crash did happen to take place. You had, uh, it was Joey Logano in the 22 car, followed by Brad Klozowski in the two car. And Klozowski got into the back of Logano, spun him out. Klozowski went into the wall, um, took out a bunch of other cars. It was like a fiery wreck. Everybody was okay. But the surprise um, driver that came out in front of the pack when the caution was called was uh, Michael McDowell. And this is his first career NASCAR win at Daytona um, after 358 starts on the uh, on the uh, Cup Series. Um, he finally gets his win, and it's at the biggest race of the entire season. Um, so it was, yeah, it was just... Um, I definitely didn't see it coming. I, I mean, what was he at? 100 to 1 for his odds. Um, just, yeah, just insane. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Okay, yeah, and then the other two drivers, I, I had Bubba Wallace as a dark horse because of his new team with Michael Jordan there, uh, 2311 Racing. Um, it uh, He, I think, yeah, he was part of the wreck there on the final lap. But uh, Chase Elliott, one of my, uh, well, is my favorite driver there. He 
got uh, second place out of that. I think there was, if the caution was called at a different point um, in that final lap there in the, in the uh, final two turns and Chase could have won that race. Um, but that wasn't the case because uh, I think when they called it, yeah, McDowell was obviously still ahead and then he did cross the finish line um, first if he wanted to extend it to that point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this race was, uh, I mean, long day, uh, with the weather delay, but it was, it was still a very, uh, entertaining race to watch. Um, I, this will probably be McDowell's only win of the season, but, um, if he races well enough, which I think he will, he'll be in the, uh, in the playoffs. Cause if you win, you're basically in unless a ton of different drivers win, then it's based off of points, but very, like I said, very unlikely, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a good start to a season for a, for a smaller racing team there with McDowell. And um, but yeah, I expect expect some of the uh, more prominent names to uh, to uh, get back into the fold here, especially next week at the uh, at Daytona again. But it's the road course on the track. So. All right. So I want to provide an Australian Open update. We're at into the quarterfinals now um and uh, on the woman's side uh, jessica Pagula, who's an american player and um i guess uh, more importantly to to probably a decent amount of people is that she's the daughter of um terry and kim uh, Pagula, who own the bills and sabers um but yeah she is also she's a very good tennis player now top 50 in the world uh will face Jennifer Brady, uh, who's a 22C in this tournament. Uh, Brady was able to win last night as well. And, yeah, they'll face off each other. Uh, yeah, face off against each other. Um, this would be Tuesday night, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. Um, and uh, the winner plays either world number one, Ash Barty of Australia, or uh, Mutrova there of the Czech Republic, who's, I believe, the 25th seed in the tournament um but yeah so that's good that we're gonna see an american player in the semifinals of the australian open this year um especially after uh sophia kennan who <clears throat> she won uh last year in in the 2020 edition and uh but uh, actually i'm gonna do a quick side note here uh kennan actually lost in the uh, second round of this year's tournament um, doesn't affect her. It's not like she loses any points because they're extending the rankings and stuff with COVID to where um, it's not like a, a 365 thing to where you lose the points in the following tournament. They're still extending that. Um, but yeah, she lost early in the Australian Open. And then there's a, another event that's happening um, <clears throat> in Melbourne for the players who have already been eliminated from the Australian Open. They can enter in this smaller WTA tournament. And Ken in her, she received a first round bye in this tournament. Um, and in her second round is playing this Australian player who's not even right now, um, she'll be ranked after this tournament, but right now is not even ranked. Um, so that means she's outside the top uh, 1,400 in the world, and she was able to beat Sophia Kennan, who's a top five player in the world, which is just remarkable. And um, I think uh, I think Sophia Kennan just has to hit the reset button at this point because um, uh, that def that loss definitely should not have happened uh, for. Her. But uh, I, mean, I think um, if uh, she doesn't, she, I mean, she doesn't have any momentum going, then that can happen um okay moving back to the australian open um you have um 
Sue Shea of, I believe, the Chinese Taipei. Um, uh, she's playing Naomi Osaka, and uh, uh, Shea is a interesting player because just um, a very unique playing style, not like crazy powerful on her ground strokes or anything, like nothing that's going to like completely um, um, – or no skills that are going to completely dominate an opponent. But um, I guess she's more of a backboard player that can cause annoyance and force errors out of, out of these top players. And, um, but I, I do expect Osaka to win because I mean, we are at the, the major championship stage. Um, I don't think she's going to let anything um, crazy happen there. Um, but uh, whoever wins that match will play Serena Williams or Simona Halep. Now, um, Williams is ten, is the ten seed. Holy moly, that was a that was a rough one. Uh, the ten seed in the tournament, and she's playing Simona Halep, who's the the two seed. Um, and I mean, Serena Williams is going to have to have a Tom Brady like effort um, in these final three matches to win the Australian Open, tie her with Margaret Court for the most majors all time, um, open era, non open era. Um, and because, I mean, Tom Brady went through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Serena Williams is going to have to go through uh, Simona Halep, like I said, two seed. Then she'll have to play the three seed in Osaka. And then if, I mean, I would think Ash Barty will likely get into the, the, the championship match and Ash Barty world number one. So they're going through the best three players in tennis right now um, to try to win the title. And uh, I, I mean, I have some, my doubts that she'll be able to do that. But uh, I guess you can never really count out Serena Williams there. Um, moving to the men's draw, and there's like there was three Americans in the women's draw. There's three Russians in the men's draw here in Medvedev, who's the four seed, Rublev, who's the five seed, and su- surprising everybody is a qualifier. Um, Aslan Karashev, Karashev, um, he, yeah, I mean, he's known as Russia's secret weapon, apparently, because um, the Team Russia won the ATP Cup uh, before the Australian Open started, and Karashev served as, as a doubles player. Um, his impact was, it didn't really matter, because Medvedev and Rublev have already won their singles matches prior to the doubles matches being played in that tournament. Um but still, like uh, he's he's looking like a top twenty-five player right now. I believe he's inside the top one hundred. Um, he he's kind of a late bloomer. He's twenty-seven years old, um, and and he's he's playing his best tennis right now. And uh, and I mean, I, he plays Grigor Dimitrov, who's the eighteen seed from Bulgaria. There, I, I don't expect him to win that match, but I guess who knows with the way he's playing. Um, so I, I just, uh, I, yeah, I, I got, I gotta go with Dimitrov there, and if Dimitrov wins, he'll play either Novak Djokovic or Alexander Zverev. Um, Djokovic being the one seed from Serbia, um, Zverev the sixth seed from Germany. Um, Novak, I mean, he said he had like a, a tear in, I, I believe it was his oblique or or um or a, a muscle in his side. I have, I have no clue. Um, 
to where I mean he it was doubtful that he that he was going to play his last match against uh, 14 seed Milos Raonic from Canada. There, um, he ended up playing and winning in in four sets, I believe. Um, and to me, I, I think he should be ready to go for this match. But Zverev is going to be a tough opponent. These two played each other in the ATP Cup um, a week ago, a week or two ago, and uh, yeah, it was a close match there. Um, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. It's it's definitely a, a coin flip because of Djokovic's um, health uncertainty. Um, if you look at the bottom half of the draw for the men's, you have, uh, yeah, Medvedev and Rublev. It's kind of funny. They're playing each other, and it's, that's going to be a very intriguing match. Um, I like the way Medvedev has been playing. Um, I, I, I guess I would favor him slightly over Rublev um, just because Medvedev has been um, – just slightly more successful in his career. Um, and then, yeah, the winner of that would play either Rafael Nadal, the two seed, uh, or Stefano Sispatasa, Greece. And um, Nadal, I mean, uh, he's looking to break Roger Federer's major record, and Federer's out right now. He'll be back in March. But, uh, but yeah, he's had, like, some knee surgeries um, during this COVID period here to uh, – to try to get back and playing um, fully healthy. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Nadal was dealing with kind of a back injury. I don't think he played in any matches in the ATP Cup for Spain there, um, but he came back and was ready to go for the Australian Open. It seems like he's getting healthier and healthier. Um, he won a straight set match versus Fabio Fognini. I believe it was 6-3, 6-4, 6-2, 6-2, say was a score. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I I thought that was going to be a tougher match. Fognini can saw, can cause some problems, but it seems like Rafa's back into his typical form here. Um, and I mean, Sispatas is going to be a very tough match. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he pulls off the the mini upset there. But I mean, the, what I saw from Rafa this past match, I mean, he he looks like he'll be um, continuing to move on. I will close with, so I, I usually I do like, uh, or recently I've been doing um, some quarterback predictions of where or uh, where they're landing or what teams will get a certain quarterback in free agency, the draft, whatever it may be. Uh, this time I want to do a non-quarterback in J.J. Watt, who uh, actually shortly after I had posted all my stuff for Friday's episode, decided to uh, <laughs> get um, uh basically part ways with the Houston Texans organization. Um, and Watt has done so much for the Houston community. Um, I think, I mean, I, I would think he would probably still um, continue to give back to the community, even with his new team. Um, he'll probably um, uh, make a double effort there. And, uh, but yeah, three times the defensive player of the year. Um, I, for sure, Hall of Famer, you would think. But uh, yeah, so he's going to be... Um, doing going on a search for a a new team here and um just based off i believe there's 12 teams that have uh, reportedly been interested um the names of the teams that have actually come out in um, this was from ed warner of espn uh, he said the steelers browns bills and titans and then i think later a separate report also said the packers as another name that has um had a, that has come um out into the forefront here and um to me, I I don't like the Steelers, even though JJ Watts' uh, two brothers TJ and Derek are on the team. Uh, 
TJ's another, I, I believe he's classified as a linebacker. Um, and then Derek's a fullback. Um, I, I don't see Steelers being a realistic thing because of their salary cap situation. They're, they're um, dealing with, um, yeah, they're over the cap right now. So I think they, uh, they just don't have the money though. Who knows? Uh, JJ Watt could play for a, um, a contract that has a that doesn't have a lot of money to it um but yeah i just don't see it with the steelers the browns i i i guess i mean he could be, be on cleveland but i just i don't know I just, I just don't see it the bills i i do kind of see as a, as a good fit there um i think uh watt could definitely embrace environment and that environment if the fans are back um next season in some capacity i mean they were they were there for the playoffs but just a a larger a little bit of a larger crowd um i think what could thrive in that environment um the titans i i mean i don't see him going to a uh divisional opponent because titans and texans are in the the same uh afc south there and um the packers i kind of like the packers um i think that would be a cool combo to have Aaron Rodgers on offense with JJ Watt on defense um I thought the Packers could probably use a boost to their um edge rush a little bit there um to go along with the their star uh linebackers there and Zdarius Smith um so I um yeah I mean out of those five teams that have, have come up in reports um I Bills and Packers seem to be the two teams that I like the most. Um, but if I had to pick one, I, I would have to go with the Packers there because um, I think uh, that could that would definitely help boost their defense, um, take the pressure off Rodgers so he doesn't feel like he has to constantly score in the big games. Um, and, yeah, so I, I just see – I think Watts, the Packers, I see as as the best uh, as the best fit there. All right, so that's what I got for this Monday episode. On Wednesday, I will talk about. Well, uh, I guess I'll talk about Dak Prescott a little bit, and and like I like I keep saying, anything else that is going on in 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 the sporting world. So um, for now, that'll be it, and I will see you all on Wednesday.